The Quintessential Podcast is proud to announce that we have a new presenting sponsor, Axia Time. Axia Time is a really cool watch company focused on ultra-custom watches to commemorate life's greatest accomplishments. Watches whose styling and quality match the significance of the accomplishments they represent. Axia Time is also partnered with all the leading lacrosse organizations to create all-American timepieces for high school boys and girls and college men and women. Axia Time even creates timepieces for elite awards like the Tuareton and Naismith. If you're interested in a high-quality, Swiss-made timepiece to commemorate a great accomplishment, you need to check out their designs at axiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. If you're celebrating a team achievement, like a state championship, national championship, or even world championship, you have to check out the timepieces they created for teams like Jesuit Dallas, the University of Maryland, and even the USA U21 world champions. Welcome to the Quintessential Podcast. This week's guest, pro player Marcus Holman of the PLL, now Boston Cannons, former Gilman Greyhound and North Carolina Tar Heel. Marcus, good to see you. How how's the Christmas season uh, in the Annapolis area? Life is good up here. It's been a great fall. Um, I think November is a fantastic month just for the Holman family in general. We've got a lot of birthdays, parents' anniversary, and this year it was super special. My younger sister Sydney got married down in Florida the week before Thanksgiving. So it's been a fun month, no doubt. Um, you know, I've had to taper myself off the sweets and, and desserts and um, maybe limit the glasses of wine a little bit here and there, but it's been an awesome fall so far, no doubt. Uh, up up on the calendar is is the uh, PLL Championship Series in, in February 14th through 19th. This should be an amazing event at the St. James in Virginia. Sixes format. Uh, the Cannons are involved. Will you be playing? Yeah, fired up for the Cannons, obviously, you know, finishing in the top four last summer of the PLL that earns you the right to go play in the championship series. So um, that was pretty special for us. Uh, It's a chance for guys to continue to showcase their skills, you know, maybe some younger players that hadn't quite cracked a lineup in in the summer rotation are able to step in and play. It's a chance for, you know, guys to get paid, um, which is special as a pro lacrosse player. And then you know, the, the competition aspect of it, like as a pro player, your off seasons are really, really long, September to June. Um, you know, that's eight months where, you know, I'm fortunate to live in the Maryland area where I can find a, you know, a, a spring league that's pretty challenging, um, a men's league. Uh, some guys don't have that luxury. So, you know, you almost go seven, eight months without real gameplay. So for me, I just look at it as a great opportunity to kind of split up the off season, uh, a chance to compete and a chance to play in a really fun format. That's, that's, you know, the future of lacrosse with the announcement of the 2028, um, you know, Olympics in LA and the sixes format. So exciting stuff in February. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. You know, last year, I think I, I started watching the first game and the action was moving so fast. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is sensory overload. And it took me a game or two. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm with the flow. I love this format. This is great. These guys are going at it, man. They are going at it. You got to be in shape to play sixes. Absolutely. Yeah. We've um, yeah, we're, we're about two months out now and, and you've definitely got to start ramping up the the cardio aspect of your training. You know, it's very similar to basketball, which I think to your point, like you watch it at first and you're like, I'm not quite sure what I'm watching. Like I see it's lacrosse, but it's so fast. Um, 
but as a player, I really enjoy it. Um, you know, I, I've, and this may be right or wrong. I've always thought of myself as a lacrosse player first and an attackman second. So when I go out and play, I'm trying to pick up ground balls. You know, I'm trying to block some shots in there and, and take one for the team. And, you know, maybe I play, I come on the field for an offensive shift. I set a pick, we score, I go down on the defensive end and I pick up a tough ground ball and then I'm subbing myself off. You know, I'm not trying to stay on and, and be a hero and score a million goals because it truly is that team format where everybody's equal in a sense of obviously we're all playing with short sticks, but you've got to do that dirty work. You've got to really commit to the defensive end um, if you want to get stops and, and ultimately win. So um, but yeah, to your point, you got to be in shape. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're ramping that up. The cardio aspect of things, the assault bike is, is a, um, oh, we're the adversary in the way that, that, that's, that's the go-to for all the NCAA really, wrestlers. Yeah. yeah that's the go-to that for all, all for the sure. NCAA wrestlers that I cover. They, they yeah. get on the assault bike, uh, daily and, and just ramp that thing up. There's nothing that hits the lungs and, and heart like the assault bike. Yeah. And, and, you know, as I get up there too, as I get a little bit older, like, it, it just a little bit healthier on your knees, your ankles, instead of, you know, pounding the, the treadmill for two, three, four miles. So yeah, that assault bike is tough. If anyone wants to give me a Christmas gift, send me an assault bike. That, that would be uh, that would be well, well appreciated. So you now like your pro career, I got is like 10 years almost. So is this, would this be 11 coming up? You've been an all-star every year. I got it except for one. So I just finished my 11th, 11th year. Yeah. Um, I've been an all-star every year, but two, my rookie year and the bubble year, um, which they didn't really have all-stars. And yeah. I actually wasn't playing my best lacrosse in that bubble tournament. So um, what, what what's your mindset, Marcus, in terms of continuing to play? Because, you know, I, I thought about it in my mid twenties, I kind of felt I hit a slump. And then later in my twenties, I'm like, no, I want to keep playing as long as I can contribute, as long as the level of my play is kind of, where I think it should be. So I applaud your efforts now as what 32 year old to, to continue to play and put yourself on teams around great people in competitive situations. What's your mindset on it? Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, it's funny. I, I was listening to a book yesterday. I just finished up. It's called outlive by Dr. Peter Atia. And they were talking about age and they said, if you know, if you want to you know, know a person's age or how they feel like listen to listen to how they speak, right? If they're always speaking about the past and the past accomplishments, then that person's probably pretty old, you know, in age, if they're always if they're speaking about the future and what they want to accomplish, then in their heart, they're young. Um, and I still feel like I'm excited for the future of, you know, competing and trying to win a championship. Um, you know, I, I feel so honored, honestly, when I look out at the field of of the PLL athletes, like, there are just some incredible players that, you know, I've been so fortunate enough to either play with or play against. And, and, you know, those guys really bring out the, the best in me because I know that they're so skilled and talented and and they're hard workers as well. So um, I'm still excited for the future. You know, I, I just, I really still love the, the training element to trying to improve and, you know, keeping my fast twitch muscles engaged and doing sprints and, you know, going out and, and shooting a lacrosse ball is something I've been doing since I was, you know, 10, 11 years old. And it still brings me a lot of joy, just like the the consistent challenge of, you know, trying to hit that corner on on a specific shot or, um, you know, I had a I had a rough day shooting yesterday in my training. Well, I'm going to, you know, try and get better at it tomorrow. So it's just that that 
that little challenge of, of trying to get better. And I've learned so much about myself as, as a, as a human, just through, you know, the, the quest to try and be as good as I can be through the sport of lacrosse. And that's what I'm ultimately super grateful for. And that's kind of my mindset now. And again, you mentioned it in elder statesman. So the leadership aspect of it is, is important and fun and just naturally trying to, to help the younger guys, not, you know, being like too robotic about you need to do this, 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 but just being myself around those guys has, has been really fun. How many practice shots do you take uh, in comparison to one shot in a game? How many shots do you think in your training you put in just to take that one shot on game day? Yeah. So I think it's probably a, like you said, one training session is probably the amount of shots I'll take in an entire season, which is, is crazy to think. I, I think I average about seven and a half to eight shots a game. I that's, I would like to get eight shots a game personally. You know, if you look at my shooting percentage, I think it's career about between 32 and 33%. So if I'm getting eight shots, I'm, I'm scoring a hat trick. You can almost bank on that, but yeah, it's, it's, and, and my philosophy on on the shooting element and the stick work element has evolved a little bit as I've gotten older. Um, you know, I'm doing coaching probably two to three nights a week. Um, and then I'm, I'm probably shooting on my own, you know, I would say consistently twice a week. Now, when I was 25 and 26, I was shooting four times a week. And those shooting sessions were maybe 30, 40 minutes. Now, you know, I'm twice a week and it's 20 to 25 minutes and I'm hitting all my shots I need to hit. And then I'm, I'm on my way. I'm going home to, to make coffee for my, for my wife and, and get on with my day. So I think it, it's, it's fun to, to be okay with that and evolved. You know, I used to think that if I wasn't throwing up at the end of my workouts, then I hadn't worked hard enough when, you know, I've learned a little bit to just to work smarter and, you know, to continue to keep that, that fire burning inside um, just to be a little bit more mindful about my training. When you work with the next generation of shooters, what are some of the non-negotiables of, of that skill. Yeah, I, I think something I'm pretty adamant about, which I, I preach a lot to younger shooters is start with your footwork. Um, if, if I think if you look at great shooters, you know, I, I make the, um, the illusion to Steph Curry as, as a really balanced shooter or Ray Allen, you remember a great three point shooter. They were always so balanced with their footwork. Um, and I, sometimes I watch young, younger kids shoot the ball and, and they're, you know, they're falling over their front foot or they're kind of fading, um, off of their back foot. And so I like to start there as a, as a really solid foundation. If you can be balanced with your footwork, um, it's probably going to lead to more consistency in, in your shooting. And it's hard, you know, as, as someone Quint, you watch me play, I, I shoot the ball, you know, 90 to 95% of the time it's coming over overhand, whether that's high to low or whether that's off hip or whether that's high to high. Um, now you watch great shooters. I, I think about Mac O'Keefe and Will Manny, guys that love that kind of three-quarter, you know, to that underhand release, which is can be really effective. Um, you know, as a goalie, that low to high riser is is tough to match. And um, so I, I try not to be too strict about like, you have to shoot overhand, you have to shoot overhand. Um, but if you're going to drop your hands, you know, you better be hitting the cage um, and you better be, you know, working on it in a strategic way and not just kind of be hanging out and and, and shooting the ball sidearm. I, I trained with Will Manny, you know, for four or five years out at the University of Utah. And that guy is so diligent about his repetition and his routine. And it's it's a very structured way to shoot the ball. It's not just, you know, kind of freelance willy nilly. 
you've got your base technique when you're shooting. There, there's two things that change the goalie's position, your angle, whether you're on the run or feet set, and then the defensive posture, whether the sticks in your gloves, whether the sticks coming at your head, whether the sticks matched up with your, the ball in your pocket, like, when you teach young kids how to read the different scenarios, what are, what are some, some common themes that, that you come back to? Yeah. So a, a skill that I've seen too, that I think has become a little bit more popular, maybe just through kind of the, the uh, growth of box lacrosse has been like shooting through a screen or shooting around defensemen. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of players attackmen particularly drive up, you know, from behind the goal and kind of shoot that, that wraparound shot around their defensemen. Um, and like you said, from, from your vantage point as a goalie, like, you know, you're just guessing at that point, you're just trying to get hit with that shot. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of a hard skill to teach. You know, I, I do a couple of drills where you kind of have to catch the ball and work on reading an approach, you know, whether you can hitch that approach and get to the middle of the field, or you can face dodge, or, you know, you can kind of shoot, um, through that screen, obviously that's kind of a tough drill to run because you don't want to risk the injury of, of that defensive player, but just, you know, and, and a skill that has been passed down, I think from generations to generations is that your, your stick has eyes, right? So even though you might not be able to see the goalie or the net with your own two eyes, if you extend that stick out at any particular angle, your stick is able to see the goal and, and net and that trust, uh, just comes with a lot of repetition. Earlier, you mentioned your wife, Alex, a former player at Maryland now in, in uh, Athletes Unlimited. What was the summer like last year when you both were competing simultaneously in, in different venues? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot of um, I think we become each other's um, sports therapists a little bit more than we are <laughs> husband and wife. Um, but no, it's 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 amazing. She's an incredible athlete. Um, very skilled. The thing I love about Alex is that she's just everyone's favorite teammate. Um, I think, you know, her, from her production, right. She's getting a little bit older as well. Maybe not scoring four or five goals like she did back in her heyday at Maryland, but everyone loves to play with her because of her attitude and her energy. It's just, it's infectious when you watch her play, she smiles and she truly plays with that, that joy and that love of, of the sport of lacrosse. So that makes me super happy. And, you know, I was able to get up a couple times up to Sparks and and watch those girls play. Man, what what a level of of skill! And I really do love the the format of just look, similar to the PLL how they they've shortened the field. I think it's easier to follow on television, and and you just get more action. Um, you know, watching those girls, Marie McCool, the way that she can run in the middle of the field, Kenzie Kent, her skill. Um, you know, Charlotte North, the way that she shoots those eight meter shots, like the the, the the girls game is, is, is as impressive as I've ever seen it. Um, and it's even in person watching it live is, is really cool. Yeah. That, that, that game to see it live. Now I've been up there the past two summers to watch at least two games a summer and to be there field side watching it live is like, Holy crap. I mean, it it's unbelievable speed, size moves, uh, defense, the goaltending's never been better. The whole, the whole deal is incredible. Yeah. And, and, Quint, I'm interested if you feel this way too, you know, as someone who, you know, we're generations apart and I think we're seeing this new wave and next generation of lacrosse, like the, the physicality of it, the size of these players and the skill that they play with, it's, it's amazing to see. Do you, you, you've got to see that progression from in the 1980s oh, yeah. when guys didn't lift weights or in the 1990s when maybe lifting weights started becoming a new thing. And now 
in the 2000s, you had Paul Rabel and Kyle Harrison. And now, you know, 2023, we have Trevor Baptiste, this face-off guy that can shoot behind the backs. And we have Blaze Reardon, a goalie who plays attack in, in indoor. And we have Brennan O'Neill, who's, you know, John Grant Jr.'s size, but has the the speed of of an elite athlete. Like, what are your thoughts on that? You know, you've yeah. got to see that progression naturally. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, b- being bench side at the PLL games is is – it's it's uh it's eye-opening like there are some college teams who look good now like really good like duke and virginia when they come out and they're warming up you're like wow these guys are in college like and i've always been small so i'm not the reference point but (laughs) even the small guys now are put together and everyone's fast there nobody's out of shape yeah the the amount of weightlifting it feels like the college teams maybe do more weightlifting compared to the pro player like the pro player maybe has done his weightlifting and he's more into maintaining that level of strength, getting faster. I think there's more of an emphasis on speed at the pro level. Yeah. So it's a great point you bring up and, and something I've um, that I started last fall a year ago, which was investing in a, in a personal trainer and getting in a, in a great facility consistently. Um, I think that's an area that will be the next step for pro guys because, you know, um, I'm not sure what the percentage of, of guys would be. I'd say maybe, maybe it's, let's say 50, 50. So 50% of the league is, is full-time lacrosse guys. And when I say full-time lacrosse guys, I would speak of someone like myself who, you know, has an LLC and there's group trainings and private lessons coaches out of high school in the spring um, and is able to travel for events, whether through the PLL or through, you know, prior relationships to coach kind of like an independent contractor in a way. And then you have guys that coach, Maybe they're a full-time high school head coach. Maybe they're a college assistant coach. um, And they're able to make their living through the game of lacrosse, which is really, really awesome. 10 years ago when I came in in 2013, it was probably 25% of guys were full-time lacrosse guys. And now it's it's probably around 50. But then you have the other 50% that, you know, they're still working real estate jobs in New York City or Washington, D.C. or Seattle or, you know, Denver. Um, And for those guys that, you know, it's, it's, it's tough for them to get in a two hour workout of an hour of weightlifting and speed, and then an hour of shooting. Um, you know, unless you're waking up at, at 5am, which I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that, that do that, but investing in that personal trainer, developing that relationship, you know, who knows my body knows when I'm sore and maybe we need to back off or, Hey, you know, it, it's time to push it today. Like those relationships have become super, super important to me. And it, it, it led to me having a great year last year. So something I'm, for the younger guys, if they're serious about being a pro lacrosse player, I think investing in that side of yourself is is very, very important. Yeah, I, I always looked at speed as like the number one commodity. Like, I think for all levels, for all positions, this is a game of speed. And if you're faster than the other guy, you have a huge, huge advantage. For me, again, my position is different. To winning confrontations, like I think about your position. Can you win the hip-to-hip battle on a ground ball? Do you get bodied off the spot that you want? Like, if you want that spot, you got to be strong enough to get there. And then safety. Can you survive the most vicious hit from the biggest, baddest guy on the other team who catches you at a moment you're not ready and floors you? Can you get up and continue to play? Or is your career over? Like, (laughs) that's that's why the weight room, plus confidence, but that's why the weight room to me is valuable. I think some college programs maybe go, over the line in, in terms of their emphasis on it. Yeah. I, I, um, it's interesting. You can maybe do some deep dives into this, but a guy that 
has become popular, I think, in the lacrosse community is the track coach, Tony Holler, that has his, you know, feed the cats philosophy, um, which is purely based off of sprinting. There's, there's no, you know, long one or two mile runs. Obviously he's training track athletes, but I think lacrosse is similar. Yes. You do need to have that cardio base, but it's, it's quick 10 yard bursts. You know, it's not a lot of, you know, running suicides after practice anymore, because if you do that, you end up just playing at this like 60%, 70% capacity. You want to be, when you need to be fast, you want to be super fast and building your, your leg muscles through jumps and plyometrics and quick sprints and deadlifts, you know, that strength and that base will carry you through the kind of like anaerobic part of, of the game. So that's kind of, that's just me personally has been a philosophy that's really, really helped me. I used to be a guy that would just, you know, I'd go out and run three, three hundreds and be like, Oh, I'm really getting better, but you're never, you know, if you run three, three hundreds and you're running them at 75%, when the game comes and you need to sprint 10 yards to pick up a ground ball, like you're not going to be moving as well as you would want to be. So my philosophy has just been moving fast and feeling good while you're doing that, I think is, has really helped me. Your dad, Brian, caught the end of that era as a player where middies used to play like 45 of the 60 minutes. And guys were, who could run a marathon were better in the fourth quarter. But the, the, the game has changed. And, and I bring his name up. You know, it's not uncommon in lacrosse to have your dad as a coach. Uh, you see it a lot in rec leagues, middle school, high school. At, in college, we've had a, a handful. But at the pro level, I don't remember very many at all. What was that dynamic? And now you look back at that dynamic. What was most rewarding about that dynamic for you? Yeah, well, it's interesting in the pro league, you have you have Tony Resch and his son, Pat Resch plays, um, but they're on different sidelines. Tony's been with the Archers since the PLL started and Pat has been on the chaos. But, oh, man, like I actually was just bringing this up to, to Alex the other day. You know, I have had a chance to to reflect on the, the 2023 season. Um but I know that when I'm I'm older, it, it's probably going to be tough to to just top how special last summer was. Um, you know, just I'm I'm his number one, you know, biggest fan. I, I believe in him as a coach. Uh, he has just a great way of relating with with his players and being honest with them, without being you know mean. <laughs> if 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 that makes sense, I think there's a way to be honest with someone and and potentially confrontational without being rude and, and disrespectful. And I think he just balances that so well. Um, he loves the game. He he's so competitive. Um, he's, you know, and, and these are just some of the things that have certainly rubbed off on me as a player. Um, but just to see him step in that arena as at the highest level, you know, with, with pros and to see how well he was able to relate to those guys. Obviously I was with him at the university of Utah for five years so I saw the impact that he could have on some college players um, and guys that that related to him really, really well. But to see it, I think, translate even more uh, at the pro level and truly just look at him and know that's, you know, this is where exactly where he should be as a pro head coach is is pretty special. So is it as clear as role definition is, is essential? Because it, I look at your roster and I got it in front of me and I got like, I don't know, 10 guys who played their best year of their pro career, like Asher Nolting, big step forward. Uh, yourself, Ryan Trenner, Bubba Fairman, never been better. 
Zach Goodridge, a goalie Colin Kirst, you know, became a player. Ethan Rall was a rookie. Uh, Jack Keelty, I, I think, played his best summer. Like, so many different guys. And to think that you started 0-2 and were, again, like back to where you were the prior year, the worst team in the league, and then all of a sudden you weren't. Like, how, how did that all happen? Yeah, uh, you know, it's – that's a great point you brought up too. And and we looked at that. That was a constant conversation we had amongst our cannons offensive chat was just like, man, we're really sharing the ball. And, you know, if you look down our game by game, like everybody's kind of contributing and putting up points and guys are, are very comfortable in their roles. Like you mentioned, I got to give a shout out too to um, coach Jim Mich- Mitchell, our offensive coordinator, who's the offensive coordinator at Princeton, just a great job of, you know, working in cohesion with coach Holman, just to, to clearly define roles, um, put us in some really cool sets and add a couple plays and wrinkles to our offense that really helped us feel comfortable and confident. Um, but yeah, that's your, you know, your spot on with it at, at the pro level, right. It's, you know, guys, it's crazy as skilled as they are, you know, young players still struggle with that confidence element, right. You're not getting those continuous practice reps throughout the week, then you come Saturday night, you're supposed to perform and play at the highest level and you've got to go out and guard Jeff Teat or you've got to guard Josh Byrne and, you know, they score two goals on you and it's like, oh man, like I stink, you know? So just having someone at the helm that, you know, maybe he'll tell you that you stunk, but Hey, I believe in you. We're going to get back to this. We're going to get, um, we're going to get better and we're going to, we're going to push through it. Um, as a unit and a team but yeah the the way that the season kind of shook out it all started I think with training camp and defining what type of culture we wanted to have on our team right canon culture became a really cool kind of buzzword that we threw around Um, you know MPST or kind of the 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 four um, you know backbones of that talking about mental physical spiritual and tactical right trying to get better in all four of those zones each and every day, not just on game day or not how we approach, right. The specific game. It's like trying to grow as a human being. So he does a great job of, of blending, you know, building a team and trying to get better and be the best team we can be with also just like life skills. You know, he's, he's seen a lot in his heyday. Um, You know, he's been around the game forever at a lot of different levels. So he's able to just kind of translate those things to, to our guys and, yeah, it was really special to, to see guys like Asher Nolting and John Donville, um, you know, guys I had seen from afar, I'd never played with. And just, you know, you mentioned Ryan Drenner. I think he's just like the ultimate, you know, switchblade and and such an underrated player in, in the PLL. He's consistently put up 20 points, 25 points, you know, in, in his, I think, first six or seven years of the league. So, yeah, it was it was awesome. And just hoping to keep that chemistry rolling uh, into the, the Sixes tournament in February. So that'll be exciting. It, it felt like your culture became the way you played or the way you played became your culture. Like they were the, the, the team defense, the sharing, the hustle plays uh, that will, that would work for all levels. Like th- this is not, this is not a pro thing. This is not a college thing. This is not a rec league thing. Like, yeah, that's a, that, and that's a good, really, I never thought of it that way, Quint, but that's a good way to put it because you can have a binder of all the things that you want to, be as a team right we want to play hard we want to play for 60 minutes etc but if you go out on game day and you don't do those things right you can talk about it all you want right you got to be about it um i think that you know the famous saying from cornell lacrosse right well done is better than well said so 
you know, through those, you know, and that, that brings me back to, to kind of pops and the way that he's able to coach is like bringing those things to life through our play, right. Diving out shots on the end line, you know, trying to be really, really tight in end of quarter situations, which are big momentum plays as you've seen in the sport of lacrosse, right? If you, if you, if you lose the, the end of that first quarter and somebody scores a goal with six seconds left, you know, they carry that momentum into the second or the third or fourth. So, you know, trying to stay out of the penalty box. And that was an issue for us. We found ourselves wanting to play really, really hard, you know, where we were fouling, you know, six, seven, eight times a game. That was an issue for us. We had to clean up uh, as we moved throughout the season. So um, yeah, that that's a good way to put it, right? Is, is your culture the way you play or is the way you play your culture? I think they're kind of intermingled, uh, you know, in an ideal world. A couple quick ones I want to finish with. First day of practice advice for the, for the young folks who uh, are going out there maybe in February in the mud and the cold. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, my first would be, I hope you're preparing right now for that, right? Don't okay. wait for that first day to bust the stick out of the, the garage. Um, and that kind of leads into my advice would be get to the field 20 minutes early, prepare yourself mentally for what you want to do and be focused and ready when the whistle blows at 3 p.m. Don't show up to the field at 2.55, put your pads on, throw the ball twice to a teammate, and expect to be in a good mental state. You know, having a great practice starts up here between your ears, right? And how you prepare and how you think about what you want to do. And maybe you reflect on, you know, you know, playing on some of the pillars of your, your team and program, whatever that is, communication, ground balls, hustle, you know, and you just commit to doing that um, for that practice and that's it, you know, so prepare yourself mentally, I think is, is a really under, I see kids show up to the field two minutes before practice. You're not going to have a good, you're not going to have a good day if you do that. So prepare. Dad drops you off. You're on your phone the whole drive as well. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you're not, you're not setting yourself up for success if, if that's the way you're going about it. Hey, last thing, PLL uh, going forward. How can we better storytell about the athletes? Uh, I think we're doing a great job in terms of our access. Uh, but how, how can we better storytell about uh, who you guys are? Loaded question. Put me on the do, spot. Do, do, um, or do we care? Like, I, I think we do. I think we need to. I think we need to get under the helmet as much as possible. Uh, we're doing that great on game day. Sometimes I think we, we, we should meet Marcus Holman. We should meet Trevor Baptiste. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and again, I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, the, the PLL and ESPN relationship has, has been awesome. I think for both parties, um, you know, learning more about, you know, the pro guys and, you know, some, there are some elder statesmen guys, you know, I, I would put in this pile myself, you know, Rob Pinnell has been doing it for such a long time. Eric law. I mentioned Will Manny, um, you know, Kieran McArdle is a guy that ha- had an incredible, um, 2022 year, you know, winning the championship, making team USA last year. So like there are some elder statesmen and then there's some younger players. You know, I look at a guy like Ethan Rawl, uh, the, our LSM on the cannons was undrafted. And, you know, I personally think he should have been the, the LSM of the year. Um, you have some of these incredible players that, you know, I, I think the game is just continuing to elevate and I, I urge and encourage those guys to, you know, consider being a, a full-time lacrosse guy and really go after your dream, um, it's hard, right. you you know, you just got this great college education and, 
I'm sure you're being probably pushed or urged to, you know, go, go up to wall street and, and experience that, which is I'm sure incredible. And I wouldn't doubt that's a beneficial thing for a young man, but you know, it's also okay to go after your dreams and, and really go for it and, you know, start building a, a social media brand and you can get some brand deals and supplement your income that way. So you've got to put yourself out there a little bit, you know, I've, I've had to deal with that and, and some of my own insecurities at, at a younger age, um, you know, through social media and stuff like that. But man, this community, you know, from top to bottom, Quint has, has meant the world to me and I'm just grateful to be a part of it, you know, hopefully continuing to teach the younger generation about, whether it's a specific technique on a step down shot or, um, you know, just a way to, to play your hardest every, every chance you get out on the field. So um, hope to be around as, as long as I can in the community and obviously still playing at a high level, which is just a cherry on top at, at this point for me. It's never been a better era to be a player. And, and, you know, everyone from my era and including guys up until, I don't know, really Rabel's era, I, I would think maybe 2000, 2010 ish. Like your 20s, you wanted to stay involved in lacrosse and coaching was really the only avenue. Uh, yeah. You know, you could be a pro player during the summer as part-time employment. Uh, now the opportunities are such that I, I actually encourage guys to 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 focus on lacrosse in their 20s. Uh, I used to think that, well, you know, it's going to eventually they're going to have to get a real job. Well, <laughs> you know, if you and ultimately you follow what you love, you, you follow your passion it's, it's, it's a better path. Yeah. And again, you know, my, my last point to kind of wrap this up, I mentioned this earlier quickly, but I have discovered more things about myself pursuing my passion and what I love, you know, versus if I would have maybe just taken a job that I, I didn't like because the money was good and, you know, you're, you're working in an office. So we discover who we are by doing the things that we love to do and our passions And, you know, I know that there's a lot of guys out there at the college level that maybe are on the fence about pursuing a pro career. I would urge them to go for it. Um, And just the network part of it too. Like there's so many fascinating people through this, you know, through this sport that you'll meet Um, and you'll meet a friend from Seattle or or Texas and, you know, you meet their dad and then their dad's friend is, you know, part-time owner of the Cowboys or something like that. So like the the network that you can expand through the, the sport of lacrosse is also incredible. And, just grateful for it. Like I said, uh, Marcus, thank you so much. i really enjoyed this talk. Best to your dad. Uh, you got to get him a new pickleball racket for Christmas, I guess. <laughs> no doubt. Yes, sir. Well, we're going to be ramping up the training for, for sixes. Like I said, you know, starting in a couple of weeks here. So um, yeah, it's maybe a good idea. We'll have a, we'll have a pickleball tournament right before. Uh, he, I would not mess with that man on the pickleball court <laughs> or, or, or back in the old, in the old days in the racquetball court. That's right. Amazing. Good stuff. Thanks, Q. Thanks, Marcus. Great to see you. See ya. That's it for this week's episode of the Quintessential Podcast. Thank you to our guests. Thanks to our technical director, Dr. Nick Z. I want to thank you for listening. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, Axia Time. A watch. What a better gift than a ring. I've got a championship ring. It's collecting dust in a box. I wear watches all the time. Thank you, Axia Time. It's axiatime.com, and we'll see you next week.